You are listening to Digfin Vox. Digfin is an online media group covering the digital transformation of financial services. Our podcast comes to you twice a month from our base in Hong Kong, Asia's leading financial center, where East meets West and developed markets meet the emerging consumer. Go to our website, www.digfingroup.com, so you don't miss out on our in-depth daily stories on how your clients and competitors are changing their business models across asset management, banking, capital markets, and insurance. Your podcast host is James Lindsay, and this is the voice of tech innovation in finance. This is Digfin Fox. Hi, and welcome back to Digfin Vox. Today, it is a pleasure to introduce the CEO of Saxo Bank for Hong Kong, Matt Long. Matt is an industry leader, having built and managed successful customer-focused financial market businesses in both Asia and Australia, a specialist in designing and utilizing technology to deliver exceptional solutions for clients. Matt has also served in several senior roles at ANZ, Macari, and OFX. Hi, everybody. This is James at Digfin, and with me is Matt Long, the CEO of Saxo Capital Markets Hong Kong, a brokerage business that's, I guess, an up-and-comer in, in Asia, but been around in Europe for a long time. Uh, Matt, welcome to Digfin Vox. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Uh, and let's start off with, you know, we write about fintech and digital transformation and finance. Um, you bring your own tech, I guess, to the marketplace. Uh, you're a broker. You've got, um, you know, you're growing your, your retail clientele. Um, so, are third-party fintechs uh, friends or foes to Saxo? Uh, good question. So, we, I guess, we like to think about ourselves as well in a couple of frames. You know, the um, we, we do like to say that we're sort of fintech before fintech was coined as a term. Um, so, Saxo as as a bank. Uh, and as an entity, it's been around for about 25 years. And, you know, we think of ourselves primarily as a technology firm with a, with a banking and capital markets licenses. You know, um, around, around a third of our people are technology people. Um, our core offering is built around our, I guess, our core spine of our, of our technology uh, sort of open banking platform. Um, around half of our businesses with partners. Um, so for us, it's uh, when I think about fintechs or banks or other participants in the market, other brokers, you know, we're uh, we're firmly in the camp of um, of friend. Um, we think collaboration is is just fundamental to to making our business and, uh, and a whole lot of businesses across the sort of the technology and financial market spectrum uh, work, be competitive and, you know, f- fit within required regulatory requirements these days. So what, so what, what, is, what is a com- competitor now? I mean, obviously you would compete with uh, an interactive brokers or uh, an Ameritrade or Schwab, I guess. That would be kind of the, the, the generic uh, com- competition list. But what yep. about, we're seeing now in Asia the rise of um, seg- specially managed or segregated managed accounts. Uh, yep. some, some companies trying to innovate with that. Uh, and then we're also seeing, I guess, the rise of, of crypto players, which some of which have ambitions to move into financial services. So yeah. how do you see the landscape changing for you guys? So uh, for us, I mean, we're, we're a really big proponent of, uh, of open banking. And so 
our, I guess our our own customers, our own platforms, our own uh, our own apps, all connect back to our our central spine and our central stack via Open API. So our own our very own customers who use our platforms connect into our core stack via Open API, which effectively makes us a uh, you know a REST API native. So that means we can turn around and say to a a robo advisor or a uh, an independent asset manager who's setting up a discretionary portfolio or a managed account, why don't you use your front end, write your API, and then use our in you know our whole platform right. uh, as as I guess to to power what you do on the front end. You right. do what you're good at. Let us do what we're good at and connect into us yeah. in that way. Because I I've spoken to one or two companies that have been using you as kind of like a a prime broker light. Yeah, um, and and how much of your business is is front end facing with you know as a broker, and how much of it would be more like a B two B? Globally, it's about it's about fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about fifty fifty. So we um we uh, so Saxo did its first white label partnership more than fifteen years ago with a European bank. Um, it's still a customer now, uh, and so we have um we have a, I think it's about one hundred and twenty partners globally. That um, that connect to us for that sort of the, the back end sort of open banking style uh, engagement versus direct uh, versus direct customers. So it's yeah. about fifty fifty. And is that hold true in Asia as well? We're growing more in Asia. So the emphasis for us, and again, I, I guess just a function of Saxo being a uh, being a Nordic bank, growing into Europe um, as it uh, as it grew, uh, coming out to Singapore and you know mid uh, mid noughties, uh, then into Hong Kong. Uh, to you know, two thousand eleven. So out here is sort of the growth story for us. Um, right, but in terms of that balance between the B two B versus customer relationship, what's the balance in Asia look like for you? We're we're, we're growing fastest in partnerships in Asia, mm-hmm. but we're still skewed more around sort of you know direct business right. here, and and some of that's also a function of the regulatory landscape. I mean, you think about open banking. You know, Europe's much more progressed than Asia is yeah. in that sense. Yeah. I will get to open banking, but before I do that, I don't yep. want to let you off the hook and just be like partnerships and lovey-dovey with everybody. Yeah. Um, where is the where where is the sharp edge of competition, and where do you see that evolving? Look, if if you look at I guess if you look at the down to the pure sort of broking businesses, um, that's where I guess that's where the thin edge of competition is in in Hong Kong, um, and so you know that there is there is some some pretty heavy price competition around uh, commissions, um, heavy competition around uh, funding levels. Um, You know, we've had over the last couple of years in Hong Kong, the number of brokers in Hong Kong actually growing again. Mm. You know, I think the, you know, the exchange and the, the regulators went through a period of trying to consolidate the number of brokers actually back down from the thousand odd and I think it went down to sort of 400 back now to about 600 so right. you're seeing very intense price competition uh, in, in the in the brokerage market um, yeah. what happens when you see moves like in the US where fidelity or uh, or others are you know zero uh, fees for some parts of their businesses um, and at the same time, you also see, again, this is more in the US, you're seeing companies like JP Morgan bringing out yeah. digital uh, solutions uh, for their retail bases, um, or Marcus from Goldman Sachs, which is a lending product. Um, basically going, you know, big players going uh, 
low to zero fee structures to, to win in the digital context. What's, what's going to be the impact on brokering, do you think? I mean, how, how will that shift the, the revenue opportunity? So it's, and again, it's, it's in that sense that we're sort of really well positioned because, you know, the Saxo platform is, is really unique in that it is really truly cross-asset. Mm. So, from one, so from one account, so be you a, a large white-label customer offering a, a brokerage account to a single customer or a single customer trading directly, from one account, you have, you know, up to sort of 40,000 instruments that you can trade from one account. So that's across equities, equity options, commodities, fixed income, uh, foreign exchange, FX options. So that that part of it is is really, really unique. And so when you go back to the, the competition question and where it's heading, it's like, if you've got a business model, and it, if I use the example, you know, if you've got a business model where you are just earning brokerage commissions, mm-hmm. you're probably having a pretty good hard look in the mirror around yeah. where's this all going. Right. Because as I guess that the answer to it is 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 the is the the holistic value proposition to a customer that wants to access investing and trading into a whole range of assets, either through a managed account or through different forms. So, you know, where, where you make your money as a holistic business like that may not be on brokerage. Right. Uh, it may be another driver somewhere else as part of, um, uh, it might be on a funding aspect of it, or it may be around a, uh, you know, an, an asset management component of it. Um, so I think, you know, in a, in a general sense, having a, um, having a business which is diversified across, across product and product asset class and then also capability, um, that's that's I think where you want to be rather than being just execution only in a specific asset yeah. class. Is is are, are cryptocurrencies or tokens on your horizon in terms of diversifying and, and deciding that is a new asset class? The reason um, I'm asking, I mean, because yeah. uh, if you look at the example of Robinhood in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and when they introduced crypto for them, um, it was just really a, a huge lead gen operation to get uh, the new customers into equities as opposed to crypto per yeah. se. Um, but uh, you know, and, and here in Hong Kong, I speak with some of the, the new crypto startups and you know, they've got their eye on taking what they're doing in the blockchain world and adding that, somehow commingling that with classical equities yep. or FX. Yep. So just you know, how, from, from your point of view, <clears throat> what's, what's the future look like? So look, it, we, we offer uh, cryptocurrency trackers on the platform. Um, and so we've found customers using uh, cryptocurrency trackers over Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, you know, we've we found demand for them very strong. And so for us, the benefit or the, the, the benefit that the customer, customer derives from trading those is that they can do it from their Saxo account. They don't need to set up a digital wallet. Um, they don't need to think about uh, exchange risk or, you know, any, any other type of risks that sort of typically sit in that sort of cryptocurrency uh, ecosystem, um, and so we we added them uh, last year. Okay. Um, they've been very popular. Um, how the evolution, you know, I you know, in my personal view, I I do think you know blockchain, crypto, the crypto ecosystem is is here to stay. Um, how we merge and how we move with that in the future, I mean, remains to be seen. We've got a lot of sort of other low hanging fruit, you know, right. before we get to that. Right. So it's not this year's priority. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, and where do you see the growth? You know, is it adding new asset classes? Is it uh, or, or products, or is the or is the growth less customer facing and more around, as you say, funding issues or being able to be more competitive with the rates you can provide? For us, it's, it is it, you know our 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 clear um, growth path is with partnerships uh, and partnerships across the I guess across sort of the 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 value chain or uh, intermediary size. Um, you know, our our fundamental proposition is being able to act as a, a facilitator of access into a broad range of global markets and global instruments and making that available with different types of partners and, and yeah. different types of entities, institutions, asset managers, family offices, um, banks, securities firms, uh, robo-advisors, other types of fintechs. And, and then also on the shareholder side, uh, Geely, uh, Jijang Geely, an automaker from yeah. China, became uh, an, uh, a stakeholder in Saxo. Um, and I noticed coming into your office, your very nice new shiny offices here, you've got um, Geely Capital Markets, which I assume is from that, that side. So yeah. um, a, a car maker uh, taking a stake in uh, a, a Nordic brokerage, it's, uh, you know, it's not what you would expect to be the, the first type of... So tell us a little bit about what that means for the business in Hong Kong in particular. Sure, sure. So I can, t- I can actually only tell you a little bit because the, the transaction's not finalized yet. So... Okay. Um, we are uh, whilst we wait, you know, we wait for final regulatory approvals. Um, you know, the the clearly there is a you know, Geely's got a, a very a very impressive history of um, of growing businesses strategically. Um, it has a very strong history of engaging with um, I guess other Nordic sort of business or Scandinavian businesses through its Volvo yeah. uh, acquisition. Um, Likewise, Saxo has a, I guess, a really impressive history of entrepreneurialism and, and growth, and um, you know we, we think it's going to be a very good partnership going forward. But we, you know, uh, until the transaction closes, we sort of we concentrate on sort of what we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about we were talking about. Um, uh, well, I, let me go back. Yeah. Uh, virtual banking in Hong Kong is coming. You were talking about Open API. Excuse me. That yeah, was yeah. a big, a, yeah, big yeah. a big thing for you. Um, and and you have a lot of experience with that in Europe. It's coming now to Asia. Uh, in Hong Kong, where uh, you know the HKMA is accepting the first batches, and we expect other markets will follow yeah. uh, with some version. Um, so tell us a little bit about: Are you interested in getting a, a virtual banking license? Is that part of your plan here, or you know how do you see yourself playing in that space? So look again you know, from from first principles for us, we are you know. Going back a step, the, the bank made the decision about six or seven years ago to move to an open API framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really is an API native and therefore a, an open banking native and really believes in opening up uh, and collaborating with, with other partners. So for us, that's, you know, that is sort of prima facie one of our core business tenets. We're not, we're not like a traditional bank which has been, you know, as we know, has been very closed architecture, soup to nuts ownership of everything right. in the value chain. We're just not structured and we don't think that way. Um, so for us, you know, any, I, I guess we, we're, really, we're really aware of what the, um, what the, the, the digital or potential future digital banking environment looks like here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, we, we've thought for a long time about 
what our licensing is here and what we need to do here. And so, you know, at the moment, we, we can operate and we can do uh, everything we need to do with partners under our SFC licensing. Right. Um, now, that's not to say we won't look at a, a banking license going forward, uh, but we're probably, we probably don't have the same... Um, uh, the, the same imperatives or need to do it as potentially you know right. some of the fintechs or yeah. some of the big technology companies we're, we're sort of in a different in a better space than, yeah. than them and also online distribution of, of investment products is, is coming here as well um, with really under the same regulatory constraints as traditional products which um, so selling things online is yeah. you know it will probably be limited to a very um very vanilla type of stuff, but is that an opportunity for you? Is that a, is that something that's of interest, or is it going to be somebody else's business because you have a different model? Um, no, look again. It goes back to the collaboration model um, and just where we fit in the in the ecosystem with our partners. Um, you know, we much of so globally, much of our sort of customer acquisition and engagement is is completely digital. Um, now, if, if we can migrate that more and more into our Hong Kong model, then that is, you know, that's something we'll do and, and obviously meeting what our partners, you know, want to do and deliver in that space as well. Yeah. Um, but again, we're probably, because we're a, you know, we're an API digital first sort of firm, that, that type of business comes sort of pretty naturally to us. Right. Yeah. Um, last area I'm interested in is uh, AI, yep. artificial intelligence and its application um, sometimes we speak with asset managers that are looking for solutions to help them with performance or risk control, um, or sometimes it's more around the robo side and the, the client facing. Um, how do you think AI will be adopted in the brokerage world? What's what's you know where and when will it become relevant? Um, it's relative now. It's it's in place now. Um, it's going to continue to to grow. Um, and you know, if you if you sort of bucket into AI, machine learning, and um, other types of uh, robotics, mm. you know, we already use that to a significant extent already. So we've got a data science department, um, you know, run by the your typical uh, typical rocket scientist um, in in Copenhagen. So we've already got a, a, an AI team and data science team, and that informs a lot of. Uh, a lot of the way that we interact with customers, um, a lot of the way that we um, would analyze as early as possible a potential new customer coming into us. So using AI to understand who they are, what their, what their attributes might be, um, how we can best service them, how we can best sort of bring them, bring them through our funnel to understand what they do and how we can best meet their needs. Um, so for us, it's it's already live and operational and part of our day to day day to day business. Um, how, how do you assess how well and effective it is compared to um, classic or just human or pre automation services? Look, I think so. For us, we can look at we, we can look historically at what some of the I guess the metrics across our if we used uh, if we used customer uh, customer acquisition. As an example, so we can look at our historical metrics of uh, how many how many customers might come to our website versus how many then move through to requesting a um, an account opening through to how many then are streamed into uh, actually opening and funding an account to how many then start trading. So we can look at the the metrics across you know the dropouts at each of those levels, and then 
look at the, I guess, current processes and where there is some intelligence applied to each of those things to help stream out, looking at the differential between those yeah. those two things. And in brokerage, where will the human touch still be the best value? Abs- absolutely service levels. And so this is, you know, where we, we again differentiate ourselves by offering a not only a full digital service, but a, a relationship management sales trading service as well. And that, again, we hear every single day from our customers, that's great, give us a fantastic digital engagement and I wanna do as much as I can or potentially I wanna do as much as I can digitally, but I still want to have someone at the end of the phone. I still want somebody to pick up the phone when something goes wrong right. or if I've got a question or if I need something. So. It is, and I think that is a very consistent, um, a very consistent uh, paradigm in a lot of digital service delivery models. Right. It's particularly, I, I guess, the the more um, or the higher value the client's portfolio, the, the more, more trust they're giving you. Yeah. There, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, and we we see this repeatedly. Customers saying. You know, I'm, I'm not going to write uh, a check for a very big significant amount of money just to a website that I can't identify with. And as good as it might be and as good as it looks, I still want some engagement and I want some service. Yeah, great. Matt, thanks for taking time to speak with us. Very welcome. Good luck with uh, the next leg of your, of your business. Many thanks. Thank you for coming in. Okay. Thank you for listening. I'm James Lindsay, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the commercial director of Digital Group. If you enjoyed this podcast, please listen again and share it on social media so your friends can find it too.